Good evening, everyone. This is Jerry Lee standing in for the Manifester, and we are so happy to be with you here tonight. So happy to have you on board tonight. An interesting subject called beautification, and there is a lot, a lot of information involved in that teaching. So hang in, get ready, because it will be an interesting evening. From the book of the Bible, the Song of the Solomon, also called Canticles, chapter 7, verse 1, this is what it says. How beautiful are your feet with shoes, O prince's daughter! The joints of your thighs are like jewels, the work of the hands as of a cunning workman. We could expect that kind of poetic language from Solomon, and no doubt he is the one that wrote it. But I still believe that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, because a lot of people have not understood how that the verses are layered, and there are thirty, sixty, hundredfold levels. The thirtyfold level uh, responds uh, to you know, the physical part. And there is so much that needs to be explained about those things. But eventually, you work your way up in the sixtyfold to the Spirit, and then in the hundredfold to the heaven of heavens. So, there is a, a reasonable logic, there is a reasonable understanding of how the Bible has been put together for us to to grow in it. Let's work on this verse. Let's break it down. How? How what? How beautiful. Now, when we use a word like how, it is a causation word. It involves the when, the why, the where, the reasons. So, it's very important to understand and know those things. Someone says, well, I think it's just an ex exclamation there about the feet and not really about all these things you're just saying. That's why you have me to minister this Word, so that I can bring you deeper into the Word of God and I can take you on a journey to new horizons and show you paths where the fowl has, has never flown. How? How do you get this beauty? Why do you even want that beauty? Someone says, well, everyone wants to be beautiful. No, I don't think that's true. Not everyone. But I think that most people would like to be beautiful. But you're just basically referring, when you ask the question that way, to the physical physique. But there is so much more beauty than just that. So, first, before we get into all the different kinds of beauty, let's think about the causation. How, when, why, where, reasons. You know, how are you this beautiful? We know that there was an angel who was considered to be the most beautiful angel in his time 
His name was Lucifer. And you can be sure that he wasn't the only beautiful angel in heaven. There were many different kinds of angels that were beautiful in many different kinds of ways. And how they got that beauty was a process. It, it was not just a simple Simon uh, blankety this little dab and blankety that little dab. It was, it was much more confined uh, and expanded of uh, a, a beautiful opportunity that was inherited by those who uh, would be able to come into the first domain, the heaven of heavens. And then when they went on their mission out on their journeys to create in the cosmos and the universe, uh, there was a when, a why, a where, and reasons for the kind of beauty that they were to have then. So there were many different kinds of beauty. And the how, then, is a very big word. It really incorporates a lot of things that we should know. You know, how does this beauty come? Well, of course, there is a scripture that talks about the beauty of holiness. And I think that, that we can say that, that God is beautiful. And beautiful in so many different ways that it is absolutely a stand, a outstanding and, and just wondrous. And that beauty, of course, uh, in an old saying, rubs off when people are around it. And I think that being in the presence of God and in the presence of other angels and being in the presence of a state of peace and being where the glorifications of God are emanating, uh, it is a cause and effect of why a spirit would take on beauty and why that beauty would be so penetrating, so fulfilling in the spirit that it would even pass on to to uh, uh, many of the aspects of any kind of body uh, as a missionary that those angels would take. So these are all connected then to the, the, the cause, the when, the why, the reasons. Uh, and there's much more. We could spend probably the whole broadcast just talking on, on those when, why, where uh, reasons. But uh, I don't think that's what we want to do tonight. Now, um, we've just gotten to one word here, roughly, and a little bit into the second word, how and beautiful. Uh, but, but you know, uh, there is an extent. There is an extent of this beauty and how the beauty and why the beauty and where the beauty. Uh, there is surface beauty. And then there's, in the physical body, there's inter, inner health beauty. And, uh, you know, there, there is inner deep mind beauty. So, there are just so many different applications to that. Uh, there is beautiful in the sense of a beautiful profile, uh, beauty in the sense of a beautiful mind, a beautiful attitude, a beautiful countenance, uh, a beautiful form to go along with the profile thing. And those are just all connectors. Let's go on with the scripture. How beautiful are your feet? And I want to add the next part with it because that is what is so unusual about this scripture. How beautiful are your feet with shoes? <laughs> um, generally, 
um, a person would think that there was just a beauty in feet alone uh, without any shoes. And of course, the shoes could be partially open and they could be quite attractive. But I think there is a deep side along with the poetic side of this of this verse. Um, we, we think in terms of Moses and how that God said, okay, Moses, take off your shoes. This was the angel of the Lord speaking to him. Take off your shoes. You're standing on or you're getting ready to stand on holy ground. Take off your shoes. So, in that idea, um, in the connection of this holy ground and all the sacred um, revelation that God was about to reveal to uh, Moses, uh, shoes were not a part of that that epic. Uh, but here in this verse, it is showing that there is a beauty. There can be a beauty because it depends the when, the where, the why, and the how reasons. So let's take a look at that. How could shoes uh, have anything to do? Well, your feet with shoes. Um, let's show it to be symbolically, uh, even without um, additional intervention, such as when Moses was t- told, when Moses was told to take off your shoes, you are standing on holy ground. Uh, that even with your shoes, even with how you live life, with all of the the mythology that you have to use uh, to enable you to get through life, to track your way, to journey your way, uh, those shoes being, uh, uh, you know, uh, tools in a sense that keep your feet uh, from harm, uh, that there is a beauty in that. And, and there is a recognition in this wonderful song of the Solomon uh, poem, How Beautiful Are Your Feet With Shoes? Because people are saying, yes, you know, uh, uh, some people say, I, I have to work so many hours. I wish I didn't have to work a secular job. I could spend more time with God. But there could be a beauty in those shoes, those work shoes. There could be a beauty in some of the ti- places and the times that God sends you to go somewhere that you may not even want to go. He may tell you to go and to visit someone that you don't really have the desire to do it, but you know that the Spirit is tugging you to go. And when you follow the leading of the Lord and you obey God, then those become, you know, how beautiful are your feet with shoes. And you'll be able to see that the Scripture is talking about this as we continue in the the refrain of all of this. And so... There is such a a benefit of understanding the Word of God on the 30, 60, 100-fold levels and being able to put that together. O oh, prince's daughter, the joints of your thighs are like jewels. I mean, who could have thought of that? Solomon. But some of it was no doubt by the Spirit because when the angels threw the work of God were putting together the molecular um, uh, construction in an architectural type of way. Um, there was no doubt uh, those that looked at the molecular uh, design and they said, wow, this is really beautiful. And in fact, the Bible says men or humans were 
were wonderfully made. And that is a word very closely associated with beautifully made. They were beautifully made. And so, when you say the joints of your thighs are like jewels, the work of your hands of a cunning workman. Yes. This is about creation. This is about human beings and how God sees you. He sees you as a masterpiece of art. He sees even your physical life because he understands why you are living it as a masterpiece of art. The joints of your thighs like jewels in in the vision in the viewpoint, in the way that the Spirit sees you, like jewels. And and your hands are like the work of a cunning angel workman. Wow! That is simply delicious. But we have to look at this in the abstract as well. Um, If it says, how beautiful are your feet with shoes. Uh, what does that mean with someone who uh, does not have shoes on? He, their feet are just just naked. Does it get the same recognition? Maybe these are people that you know are believing that uh, you know, there's the lilies don't have to toil or spin, and and uh, they don't have to go out and work a job. I've run into quite a few people with that theory, and they believe that uh, they shouldn't have to hold a job. The nature should just take care of them, and they should they should just be able to sort of enjoy their life. And um, they're not too deep into preaching the gospel either, so uh, they don't have shoes on. They don't have shoes. Jesus said, Occupy until I come. And I think you know he's talking about occupation. Now, here's another thing. It says, um, in the next scripture I'm going to give you, which broadens it a little bit more, but it's basically on the same verse, it's Romans 10, 15. And it says, How shall they preach except they be sent. How shall they preach except they be sent? How? Well, the people that are out there preaching that have not been sent by the Holy Ghost, that have not been sent by spirit-to-spirit manifest revelation, uh, they, they are ministering a word, as I will show you in a little bit, that is many times not a pleasing word to God, and really not what the what the intent of the gospel a word was ever um, ever formed or meant to be. They're in a different profile, and they're all doing it in the name of of God. But how can they go out and and preach? How can they think that they can be preachers and pastors and evangelists and revelators if they haven't been sent? When you go out to preach the word it is very, very important that you have been ordained by the angels, that you have been sent of God. Otherwise, you're going to be bringing messages to people that are like the glass, the looking glass darkly. And people are going to see things murkily, 
and really not be able to understand in the proper sense the glories of God. How shall they preach except they be sent? How shall they preach? Well, they will preach things that just are not the will of God. For instance, let's go on here and read this next part. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, let's look at this. Let's suppose that the feet of them that are preaching the gospel are not preaching the gospel of peace. Let's suppose that they are preaching a, a, a gospel of discord and war and turmoil and confusion and all of the problems that are happening in the world and just constantly reminding people in addition to what's, what's being, they, what they are being told on TV and hearing in other ways. And instead of bringing them glad tidings of good things, they're bringing them bad fortune and bad news. And they're bringing them desperate times and scary uh, future propositions. But the Bible says that if you want to have beautiful feet in the preaching of the gospel, it says, number one, you need to be sent need to be sent by God. You need to be sent by Jesus Christ. You need to be sent by the Holy Spirit. And number two, if you want to be beautiful, you need to preach the gospel of peace. And you need to bring glad tidings of good things. If you are not preaching the gospel of peace, if you are not bringing good tidings of, uh, of, of good things, then, sorry to have to tell you this, but you are not beautiful. You may think that you're handsome and beautiful, but you're not handsome and beautiful the way the Spirit of God sees it. If you are not being obedient to what the Word of God is trying to tell you to do for the sake of the people. People need good tidings. People need the gospel of peace. They can get all that other crud every day on the news and from all kinds of other situations. How shall they preach except they've been sent? Well, that is the question, isn't it? Well, they're going to preach war, rumors of wars, of which Jesus said, don't get caught up to thinking this is, that means the end. He said, that, that, this is not the end. This is just the beginning, all those things. Because what he was really saying is you're always going to have wars. You're always going to have rumors of wars. You're always going to have people having heart attacks. This is the Tartarou. This isn't paradise. You're here on earth, bound in molecular chains. And only through God can there be a beauty in that. Because the end product of what God is offering is eternal justification. And when you add eternal justification to the recipe, then whatever it is that you've got makes whatever you have, to be perfect in this resolution. Wow. So, how shall they preach the gospel? How shall they, they know 
uh, where they have been sent. When you're moved by the Spirit, it tells you when to speak, how to speak, where to go to speak, and what to say when you speak. And it tells you who to preach the gospel to, the kind of message, and it incorporates glad tidings and good things of peace. Wow. So, Song of the Solomon in Romans, beautiful feet. Wow. There's a code. There's a code that has to do with all of this. And it's involved in, in the timing of the Spirit-to-Spirit revelation. I quote this quite often, but it's such an important scripture. They that worship me shall worship me in spirit and truth. He's talking about a time when the two mountains, when the two mountains, I think one could be called the bondage mountain and the other could be called the blessing mountain. And they both have a 30, 60 fold, but they're not into the 100 fold. But when you get into the 100 fold worship, where you're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, time becomes no more. And that is the real unopening and unraveling of the code. Wow. Now let's go on about this thing about beautification. Let's look at First um, Chronicles 16.29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I really wonder how many people think of that when they are worshiping God. Even when they are praising God. Even when they are praying and asking God to do favors for them and benefits. I wonder how many people are asking God for those things that they are requesting for and that they are involved in uh, their acts of glorification to God for, that it all needs to be incorporated within the beauty of holiness. Because when you enfold these things into the beauty of holiness, oh, what a majestic, what a glorious thing that that turns out to be. It's absolutely awesome. Wow. So, number one, according to this scripture, and it is a very similar scripture to Psalms 29.2, basically a repeat of, the, of, of Psalms 29.2, we are to give to the Lord the glory that is due unto His name. And that is a deeper revelation than it might seem to be, because you have to understand the name. You have to understand what the name is. And the Bible makes it clear that no one really knows his name. And that he's going to be given a new name. Even the names that they are calling him is not going to be the final name. He's going to be given a new name. And then during the interim time, there are names that are, are, that are written on his, his breastplate. So, it's amazing. And we are to, we are to give glory 
due unto His name. It is so important to praise God and to glorify God. Praising and glorifying are not the same thing. They are two different things. Really, to be able to glorify God, you have to have some kind of understanding of the glories. That's why in Corinthians, Corinthians it talks about the different kinds of glories. There's a, a glory of the celestial. There's a glory of, of the terrestrial. And every star has a different glory. And God is the one who made all those different differentiations of glory. You can be sure that God has these many different kinds of glory. So, as we come into the knowledge of worshiping God in the different uh, uh, aspects of, the, uh, of the, the different kinds of glory, that, in, that in, incorporate different kinds of, of beautiful colors, uh, that incorporate different kinds of uh, uh, beautiful sensations, it's a wonderful thing to praise God, because there is something like um, a backfeed that happens. When you praise God in the glory of his name and you begin to understand different levels of the glory and you get into praising him in these different levels as you're going up that staircase that the angels go up and down as you begin to see that every step is a foundation every step is a is a level the foundations stones have different colors or different jewelry and all of those have something to do with the praise of god the gates are are all pearls, but they all have a different revelation. The gates to Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, the holy Jerusalem. And so, as we begin to to understand these things, and we begin to understand that, that we need to expand, God's people need to expand their worship, not just be in a rut of saying the same worn out things every day to God. Oh, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. And then onward you go, doing the same old stuff, living the same old way. God wants you to dig into the deep truths of the glories of glorifying God and to the glories of praising the Lord. And it says, bring an offering and come before him. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that he doesn't get excited. He, it doesn't really please him anymore, offerings of dead animals. Well, what can you bring as an offering? Well, it would be a wonderful offering if you would work on thinking about what would please God. Work on thinking about oh, being obedient to his, to his will. Work on thinking about these different glories uh, and, and opening your mind so that and meditating so that you can receive what these revelations are. And then come to the Lord with an offering of that knowledge. That you have gained that knowledge and, and it was so pleased God to see that you, you have, you have gone up, up the runs a little bit and that you're understanding God a little more and you're able to therefore praise God in a more beautiful way. And, and, the more beautiful that you can pray, the more beautiful that you can praise, the more beautifully that you can glorify God, the more beautiful that you will become. Wow. So, it's about worshiping the Lord. And the final tightening of the revelation is when it says, Worship the Lord 
in the beauty of holiness. I'm trying to tell you how to find a beautiful way to worship in the various glories of God. I'm trying to tell you a beautiful way how to honor His name. How to give praise unto the Lord by coming with an offering. Think about what sometimes you are going to say. Not every time, but occasionally think about that. How that you could love the Lord more. How you could praise Him in a, in a different, more beautiful way and, and praise Him uh, with a better understanding of the various kinds of glories. Remember, when you are coming into this time of worship, you, you are in a participation with God. And you are coming before God, not before a man, and not before man's doctrine. You are coming to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And that is a most sensatious, glorious thing. And it is of a great need that the people of God come to understand what the beauty of holiness is and how it can affect you and change you and give you peace and happiness and how that you can understand that you need to be able to be involved with those people who are preaching glad tidings and with those people who are preaching the gospel of peace. There's plenty of sad, woeful, uh, howling voices out there that can preach all the desolations, devastations, cataclysms, and all those other kind of things. But you know and are safe in God that wherever you are, that God is going to keep you by His love. He's got angels encamping around about you. He's going to lift you up, lest you dash your feet against the, the pricks. He's going to guard you. He, you have guardian angels, according to Matthew 18. Wow. Now there's a story in Acts chapter 3, verse 2 and verse 10. It starts like this in verse 10, verse 2. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Not every gate is called Beautiful. There's even gates that were described as fish gates. And then there was, there was the gate that they would take out all of the, all the animal and human dung. And I, I suppose if that's the gate that you just want to come through, the, the, you know, the dung gate, then I guess you can do it. But why would anyone want to go through the dung gate unless it was just, that would just happen to be their job for a, a particular time? When you could, you could go through the, the gate beautiful. And part of the reason that it was the gate beautiful is because it was the gate that people went through when they were going to the temple. This really was tied into the beauty of holiness. So it was the gate beautiful, because that's the gate that led to the beautiful temple and the worship of God. 
is called beautiful. And he went there to ask alms of those people that were entering into the temple. Well, if you ever do get into a, a, a position, into an unfortunate place, most likely, that you need to ask help from someone, the intent doesn't always work out that way, but the intent is that you'd be asking of those people who are going to the temple. There's a, 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 a circuit. There is a circuit there. And and a circuitous reason. Now in verse 10, um, after Jesus has healed this man, through his disciples, and they saw that this was the man that had sat there probably for years, had laid there for years, asking for alms. And it says they were just astounded. They were filled with wonder. They were filled with amazement at what had happened to them. See, these people didn't understand anything about, they didn't understand anything about the the beauty of holiness. The beauty of holiness has healing in it. The beauty of holiness has deliverance from everything from death to any crises that you can imagine. Well, these people were just shocked and filled with wonder. Oh my, how could this happen? And there's people out there that are involved in their religions. And whenever they see some wondrous thing of that nature happen, they are the same way. Oh, why? I, how could that happen? Why that? What a wonder that is. Well, that's amazing. But when you are, are into the beauty of holiness, the beautification of the word, the beautification of the acts, the beautification of the wondrous moving of God's Spirit upon human beings that can touch them and heal them and make them whole. Where they were lame, they can walk again. Where they were blind, they can see again. Where they were deaf, they can hear again. That's the beauty of holiness those that are able to begin to have their eyes open and they see angels, that's the beauty of holiness. Those that begin to see the Shekinah glories around about, that's the beauty of holiness. There's so many people that are living in the bland of religion. There is no beauty of holiness. There are not signs and wonders. There are not healings. There are not new revelations coming forth super exciting provisions being offered for people's mind to just tingle with all the precious things being said. And God is speaking this word today to raise up across this world. And I do not say there aren't other people out there doing that. I absolutely believe that there are. But I'm saying that it's just not just super prolific like it certainly needs to be. Because there are a lot of people on this planet and they need to hear an exciting word in the beauty of holiness. They need to know the way of the paths. 
we need to understand things about the genetic lane. How that some people, they haven't sinned, their parents haven't sinned, but they're born blind or they're born lame. They've got genies. Those genies need to be cast out. They're genetic things. They're not demons. They're, they're, they're genies. And even if you are lame and you don't know anything else to do but sort of sit at the, at the feet of the master, and that's sort of what this lame man was doing because he was sitting at the, the gate beautiful, which was sort of like the footstool of the temple. And one day, along came two men of God. And they set that man free. And his legs and his feet began to get strength in him. And he could stand up and he could dance. And people that didn't understand the beauty of holiness, they wondered with amazement. I want, ladies and gentlemen, this manifest realization to get so thick in your mind, so beautiful in your conscience, that you won't wonder about these things and be amazed about them. You'll just be expecting these things because it's all part of the beauty of holiness. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. In Ecclesiastes 3.11 It says, God has made everything beautiful in Him's time. I just want to go over this. This is so, such a sensational chapter. God has made everything beautiful in M's time. It doesn't really matter what you want to call ugly. It doesn't really matter what you think is ugly. It doesn't really matter who you think is ugly. It doesn't really matter. Because you obviously are not thinking in the terms of the revelation of this verse. If you truly believe the Word of God, believe the Bible, you need to understand that there isn't anything on this earth no animal, no creation. Everything was made beautiful. Everything out there, I don't care if it's a bug, there's a purpose for it. Everything was made beautiful. It didn't say that it couldn't change and become not beautiful. But everything still retains somewhere deep within itself even if shut up within its own being, it retains this absolute proof of God in the Word. Ecclesiastes 3.11 God has made everything beautiful in God's time. Yes, someday that these predator animals that have been so vicious they're going to be eating straw. Even bugs that 
sting and have poisons are going to not be stinged with poisons. Even a little child could put his hand on the on the hole of a, of an of asp, and he'll not be harmed. There'll be no harming by any of the animals, because everything was made beautiful in God's time. There was nothing not made beautiful. And so, in a sense, everything on the earth that is not beautiful is in a prophecy. It's a matter of time. And everything will become beautiful that remains on this earth. That includes you, my friend. You are beautiful right now. It's just that your eyes are beholden. And you may not be able to see it. You're beautiful right now. Because God has made everything beautiful. Now notice the next part of that, of that verse. We're in Ecclesiastes 3.11. All sold. Very important word. Forensic word. Also. He has set the world in their hearts so that no person can discover the work that God makes from the beginning to the end. Now because he said also, guess what that means? That means, and in addition, in addition to the fact that he has set, that he has set the world in their hearts so that no person could discover the work, in addition to that, he has set this beauty in every person's heart. This beauty is in every person's literal body and every person's spirit. This beauty is in everything. Yes, it may be locked up, but the keys to the kingdom are coming in the ark that's coming up the road. And they also have been set in the heart. And so there is a parallel and there is a struggle between the love of this world and the love of God. The things that are ugly in this world and the things that are beautiful. And that's why we don't have time if we want to fulfill the beauty of holiness message to go out there and start preaching our lungs out about all the drear and, and, and the crises and the hate and the, and the corruptness. You just need to put those things on the altar to God. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, bring your burdens to me. I used to sing that song. Still do occasionally. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. That's what you've got to do. You've got to take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there so that you can be preaching the gospel of peace, witnessing, testifying the gospel of peace, so that you can be bringing the glad tidings, witnessing, preaching, Speaking, the glad tidings. People need to be lifted up. This is a great time of mental and spirit depression. People don't need any more uh, heart, uh, uh, heart hardships laid on them. They need to be encouraged that no matter what, God will take them through. Trust in God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You know, the work that God makes from beginning to the end, the verse says. 
You know, um, we can take the beginning and under that we can say Alpha and that which was. And beginning to, the word to, that would be that which is. So beginning to the end. The beginning is the Alpha and that which was. And to is that which is. And the end is the Omega, that which shall be. And it's all there. All of the ages of time are incorporated in this. And God's given you from the, from the beginning to the end to get this thing all straightened out in the beauty of holiness. Because He has made everything beautiful in M's time. Wow. Wow. And so, there's... Is meant to be a beauty in your genetics. There is meant to be a beauty in the functions of your facilitations of body, in the beauty of health. There's meant to be a potential to change anything that is not made after the everything beautiful in your in your appreciation of being able to see it. God wants to open the code to you so that you can get into the beauty of holiness that the Word of God has promised. Praise the name of God. Praise the name of God. We have to understand that there are different kinds of interpretation when we're looking at the Bible, when we're looking at Revelation, when we're looking at the Word of God. There's different viewpoints. And it's recognized among, you know, doctrines of of the scholars and and Bible persons, there's the uh, the the future uh, interpretation. Futurist, the futurist has an interpretation that he often puts to everything. Well, this isn't for now. This is going to happen in the future. Oh, we're not supposed to know these things now. We'll know them in the in the by and by. They're futurists. They put everything off to the future. Even any obligations, they put it off to the future. Oh no, God doesn't expect that of us now. We're just weak humans. We, we couldn't possibly be able to achieve that. And they put it off to the future. That's one kind of interpretation. Then there's the historicist. And they put everything to the past. Oh no. Yeah, there, yeah, there was a, a, you know, continuous revelation back then. Before the Holy Spirit was poured out. But now that's all, that's all done. Now that's the end of the revelation and we don't have any new revelation. And the angels, I mean, that was meant for the past. Now we don't, we don't have that anymore either. All those miracles, well, God expects us to go to doctors now. That's, that's all of the past. That's, that's, that's of the history of the past. And then you've got the idealist who make everything spiritual. Everything. You don't have anything in the literal sense of function as a human being, as a human body, although the Bible clearly shows us that, that we're part spirit and we're part, we're part, uh, you know, uh, physical. So if we just take that part, don't even put the soul into the equation. Uh, I'm not talking to the body soul, but the spirit soul. Let's just say we've got spirit, we've got body 50-50. So there's 
So everything is spiritual, so you have nothing, any, no responsibilities. No responsibilities to a family. No responsibilities to a wife or a husband. No responsibilities to a job making a living. No responsibilities to obey the law. Because everything is spiritual. And then you've got the people that believe in, you know, the superinduced events by destiny. And I mean, I'll read just scripture here. Let me turn in the Bible to Revelation 17.17. Revelation 17.17. Okay? And I'll just read this to you. And you'll get an idea of what some of these people believe. And all these people have scriptures they can pull out and plug into it to say, well, see, here's a scripture. They don't understand that the Bible has to be taken of the whole, of all the scriptures in a, in a total contextual application. You can't just pull out one scripture and say, see, this is what I believe. But let's just look at this, this, this scripture, 1717. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. And that's a powerful scripture. And they read that and say, see, God put it in their hearts to give it to the beast. How can a person ever be guilty for doing that when God's the one that put it put, put it in their hearts to do it? And that has to all be explained by understanding the multiple application of all of the scriptures contextually uh, uh, unfolded by the Holy Spirit. So important. So, so you have, you know, people then interpreting uh, the Bible, um, and uh, they are, you know, they they are having their own ideas about how the meanings of, of the Bible should go. But you know, in the manifest Bible revelation, we are interpreting the Book of Revelations based on Revelations one nineteen, which concludes it in that which was, that which is, and that which is to come. You can't just refer something to that which was and say, you know, I'm a history buff, and uh, it used to be that way, it's not anymore. Or put it into the future and say, well, uh, we don't need to know that. We'll understand it in the great by and by. But we're into the revelation of that which which was, which is, and which is to come as, as a a turning cycle and we understand that all of those things have to have to be applicable to us now. And you can read that in Revelations one nineteen. Very important. And I understand that that all these people use inductive reasoning, using the scripture here and the scripture there, like the Bible says, you know, a line upon a, a line, a line here, a line there, a verse here, a verse there, that they might fall and go backwards and be broken. That's what the Bible says will happen to people that read and interpret the Bible that way. Wow. That's pretty serious. It's pretty, pretty Bible word when you really, really listen to what it says. You notice that it talked about in that last scripture, 17, 17 of Revelations, about things would be a certain way until it was fulfilled. Well, in Matthew seventeen eleven, it says this, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. 
And there might be people saying, well, I don't think all things were restored. So is, does that mean that Elijah has not come? And if Elijah has not come, because in Malachi said Elijah had to come before the Christ, before the Messiah, does that mean that Jesus Christ was not the Messiah? Well, there are some people saying that. But they don't understand how, how that it's just like in Genesis, the second chapter, where it said that there was these plants and grass and all kinds of creation that had never yet been planted in the earth, but they existed. They existed in the creative thoughts that had produced them as DNA, as seed, ready to be planted, ready to take root in the earth. And I think that when Elijah came, that he did that kind of a thing. I think he came and he fulfilled because of his powerful prophecy ability. And he fulfilled that prophecy and all of that potential is right out there suspended in space. And it's like Psalms 19 and Romans 10 that there is nowhere that the line has not gone. There is nowhere the sign has not, the sound has not penetrated. Has everyone heard the gospel? Yes, they have, Paul says. Well, how could that be? Because of this word that was planted that Jesus said it had to happen first. And we know then that it did happen. And there is a restoration of all things. If you feel like you're miles away from health, you're miles away from being beautiful, you're miles away from, from having the function in your body uh, of vigor and virtue, uh, believe me, the word has already been pro prophesied by one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. It's out there suspended just waiting for you to grab hold on it and apply it. Praise God. That's what the plan of the message is. And that's why it's being held in suspension. Because it will not let go of that plan until God has restored all things physical and spiritual. In Acts 3, verses 20 through 21, it says, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which was, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things. It's very clear by this scripture in Acts that even though Jesus preached that very word about the, the restoring of all things by Elijah, that that was understood by the disciples. Obviously, they had been preached this message that I'm preaching to you about the suspension. And it was very clear as Paul ministered it that there was a holding of Christ and his mission back to earth until the times of restitution of all things. The scripture goes on to say, which God had spoken by the mouth of all, A-L-L, -L, all his holy prophets since the world began. Whoa, that is the beauty of holiness. That is the beautiful, the beauty of a glorious holiness. This word is out there. It's suspended. It's spoken. It's not wasted. It's not over. It hasn't quit. It's still alive. And it's just a matter of time until it will be fulfilled. And, and, and the trip from heaven is waiting. It's waiting to be received until the times of restitution of all things occur. 
And it goes all the way back to prophets that lived at the very beginning of the world. So there's a time of restitution. A time for all Holy Ghost Spirit prophecies and promises of the Holy Prophets to be brought into fruition and resolution. All of the way back to Alpha. Wow. That is absolutely sensational. So, there's a God time. There's a God time. Everything is beautiful. God made everything beautiful. God's time. So there's a time to break out of the old sackcloth mentality. There's a time to turn back the biological clock. Someone says, I don't know where you're getting that thing about breaking out the old sackcloth. I think that's what we all need to do. Well, Jesus said, when you've got the Savior with you, you don't fast and go through all that groaning stuff. You've got the Savior with you. If He's not with you, He leaves. Then that's different. You'll have to fast and do the groaning. Well, I want to tell you something. I received Jesus Christ into my heart. And I've got Jesus Christ in my heart. Oh, I fast occasionally. Whenever I feel led. But I'm going to tell you, I, I'm not in that mode that i got to get in the sackcloth and start worrying about what's coming on the world. I've got Jesus in my heart. He's, he's with me. And there's a time to turn back the biological clock. To start being younger in your ways, thinking younger. Because that's a, that's a special kind of beauty. It's a special kind of beauty to have that equipment start to operate that's already in you, capable of, of doing the exact thing. It's capable of, of operating in you and turning back the biological clock. There's a time for that. There's a time to discover images of divine things and recognize what those images represent. What kind of icons they stand for. There's a time to push the boundaries of discovery back, back, back so that you have greater and greater ranges to work with in your faith and in your belief. There's a time to change the profile of human suffering and to alleviate disease all over the world. We have to start saying, this is the time. This is the time. God is beautiful. God's got beautiful minds out there. They don't know maybe their minds are beautiful because... Their destiny hasn't taken wings yet. But God is speaking to them right now in manifest realization. In manifest realization, there's a manifest time. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. And believe me, there are different earth zones in which it is time for the latter rain in a particular earth zone and not time for the latter rain in another earth zone. Once you become equipped mentally and spiritually with being able to understand this, you'll understand that there will always be some place that you can go in God 
and ask for the latter rain in the time of the latter rain. Manifested minds, manifest minds. They see not what exists. They see what should exist and therefore will exist. True beauty in all things, humans, animals, all the creation. We know that psychologically and in the deepest sense of of the mind that even physically there can be differences in the neural correlates of beauty. But that is a real statement and that is a real meaning relative to us in the physical sense as to our various applications of beauty. And then there's manifest conscience. Coming to the manifest conscience, all things are pure in God. To the pure, the Bible says, all things are pure. Well, not everybody's into that story of glad tidings. Not everybody's into that story of peace. There's people out there just constantly involved and want to separating everybody that doesn't belong to their little clink, that doesn't believe the religion like they believe it, or doesn't pay ties to them or buy their books. They 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 don't consider them to be pure. But all things are pure in God. To the pure, all things are pure. So if there's so many things out there that a person is preaching and teaching about and talking about that are not pure then that is only showing the extent of how unpure that you are. My God, come on people, let's listen to this word. Then there's manifested love. Love for God and love for God's creation. Imagine what I said earlier. A love that does not see a person as they look now. Calling those things that are as though they are not. And looking at someone and seeing them as the angel of their presence, seeing them in the perfection of beauty, in the, in the beauty of holiness. You begin to see people like Jesus sees people, like God sees people. Then everyone is beautiful in God's time. Wow! You begin to understand that in the resolution of all things and the restitution of all things. It is destined by God for you to be beautiful. To have a beautiful mind, a beautiful body, a beautiful profile, a beautiful form. To have beautiful thoughts, beautiful dreams, beautiful relationships with those that believe like you believe. And you can worship together in a most glorifying way. Manifest love is greater than any other kind of human love. Because it is so broad, it reaches out. It touches all, all creation. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Wow. 
Wow. There's manifest responsibility to the universal world. You can't just think about the, 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 the house on the street where you live. You've got to think about the over six billion people there are out there. You've got to think about the world. You need to have time that you're praying for the world. For world peace. Pray for world salvation. I never sit down to eat without saying, Thank you, God, for this food. Please remember those that do not have. There is a manifest responsibility. And there is a manifest destiny for the first domain, the heaven of heavens. The fact of realizing and knowing and admitting and acknowledging that you are a manifest son of God waiting to be brought into the fullness of the restitution of your faith. Yes, Genesis 3.24. Genesis 3.24 says there is a way to the tree of life. Most people don't know that the tree of life, according to Genesis 2.9, was a physical tree that grew out of the physical ground. Same as the tree of good and evil knowledge. They came up out of the ground. They grew up from the ground, ladies and gentlemen. Genesis 2.19, read it. And I, I, you know, I don't have the time to get in all these scriptures like I could. But in you know, in Ezekiel seventeen one through six, there are two kinds of eagles mentioned, and one is the long-winged angel. I mean, uh, eagle is for flying through space because this eagle was involved in moving the tree of life to the Father's house. The, the tree of life isn't on the earth any longer. The cherubims were put in charge of it back in the days of Adam and Genesis. And when you read in the 10th chapter of, um, of Ezekiel, verses 14 through 16, you'll see that one of the emblems of the that the cherubim use is the emblem of an eagle. And it's beautiful to understand how that the tree of life's been moved to the Father's house. And that's not the only thing that's been moved there. According to the Bible in the book of Revelations, Revelations 11:19, the Ark of the Testament has been moved to the museum temple in the Father's house. These things aren't lost or destroyed. And believe me, there was three Ark of the Testaments made. And one day I will preach on that and show you for a fact that the Bible does say that. The tree of life is not a toy to throw away. It was a regenerative physical engine that could regenerate you physically so that you could just keep on living and living and living and living. And I'll tell you something else about the tree of life that very few people know. 
the tree of life was a star map. And when the fruit, which there was twelve kinds of fruit according to Revelations, in the book of Revelations it talks about the tree of life. Revelations 22. And that tree of life still exists. And it's at the Father's house. Check John 14 out for the Father's house. And what a beautiful place that is. And this tree of life is a star, a star map. And when you look at, at the, the branches and the leaves and the fruit, the way they grow in our position, they depict stars and planets in the universe. And you could go before that tree and you could know about the universe. That was planted right in the East Garden of Eden. These were things that were being taught to Adam and Eve. Wow. It's an exciting time, ladies and gentlemen. It is a real exciting time. Now, there has always been the situation that when the physical world of science and physics and medicine advanced, <clears throat> that there was always an advance that took place in the spiritual world, and sometimes just in the opposite mode, contra, the spiritual world and the physical world. But there's a parallel to these two worlds. And there is right now a tremendous things happening in the, the world of medicine and biology and chemistry. And I want to just briefly, because it really ties into this beautiful mind and beautiful biology. Because God is even making these things available in the future through the, the ability of the medic, medical uh, facilities. I'm reading to you from some of the National Institute of Health Resource uh, studies on stem cell research. And um, I'm just going to read some of the highlights. Uh, but it talks about here in this introduction, for those suffering from common but deadly heart disease, stem cell biology represents a new medical frontier. Researchers are working toward using uh, stem cells to replace damaged heart cells and literally restore cardiac function. If you think that's minor, you just can't grasp the extent of what this is saying. Experiments are now being conducted to the extent that post-transplantation analysis time to determine the long-range effect of such therapy being the partial repair of the damaged heart muscle, suggests that the transplanted mouse stem cells responded to signals in the environment near the injured part of the body. The cells migrated to the damaged region, a region where they multiplied and became specialized cells. That meant they could repair the area that had been damaged. Exciting new advances 
in cardian regeneration are being made in human embryonic stem cell research because of their ability to differentiate into any cell type in the adult body. Brain tissue could be regenerated after a stroke, after a person's had a stroke, and brain tissue dies. Brain tissue could be regenerated after stroke by inserting micro-scaffolding and stem cells. Animal studies suggest stroke causes temporary loss of blood supply to the brain, which results in areas of brain tissue dying, causing loss of bodily functions such as speech and movement, and neural stem cells offer exciting possibilities for tissue regeneration. Dr. Moto explains, we propose that using scaffold particles could support NSCs in the cavity to reform the lost tissue and provide a more complete function repair. The ultimate aim is to establish if this uh, approach can provide a more efficient and effective repair process in stroke. It's big time, folks. Stem cells have the potential to cure many human diseases because they are like blank cells. They can become any cell in the human body, enduring and can provide an endless supply of additional stem cells. They are regenerative and they can be used as a live source of cell of self-repair. We are aware that different types of cells make up our body. Blood cells, skin cells, cervical cells, but people forget to appreciate that all of these different cell types arose from a single cell that fertilized the egg. Wow, are you hearing all that? The first steps simply involve cell division. One cell becomes two cells, two cells become four cells. Each of these individual cells of early development is not specialized. They're undifferentiated. That is, it does not have a specific body function, but has the capability to contribute to all the organs in an individual, and thus they are totipotent. These cells are embryonic stem cells, and they have both the capacity to self-renew, thus maintaining a continuous supply of stem cells. and the ability to give rise to specialized cell types such as liver cells and brain cells. Wow. They were coming to the end of my reading here, but hang on. There's another thing it says they're looking at. That is the umbilical cords. Thus, after childbirth, tissues hold potential for research. That's because it is even known that within a mother, there are held cells that relate to that child that was born for as much as 34 years within their body, most of that held within uh, the residue of the umbilical cord. Those things to me, I find beautiful, all part of this beauty of God, the wondrous way that He made us. Listen to this one. Skin replacement. The knowledge of of, of stem cells 
has made it possible for scientists to grow skin from a patient's plucked hair. Take a plucked hair from your head and they can take and make skin from it. Stem stem cells inside the hair follicle can be removed when a hair is plucked. These cells can be cultured to form an epidermal equivalent of the patient's own skin and provide tissue (coughs) for a graft. Bypassing the problem of rejection, it is presently being studied in clinical trials as an alternate to surgical grafts used for uh, venous ulcers and burn victims. I am so pleased to know how that there is a plan. They're talking about a treatment with the stem cell to help totally heal people who have diabetes. The generation of new neurons in the adult brain is limited. However, self-repair of neural cell death has been recently demonstrated in the mouth and suggests that cell stems, which normally reside in the brain, may someday be able to be stimulated by inducers in a manner similar to how we induce our immune system by vaccination. This would bypass the need for cell transplantation. Intensive research is being pursued. Well, I'm leading up to something. Hang and hold. Medical researchers believe that stem cell treatments have the potential to change the face of human disease and alleviate suffering. Adult stem adult stem cells show wider potential than previously thought. There are potentials which include the possible treatment for Parkinson's disease, diabetes, and spinal cord. Stem cells can be used to reverse perilous in animals and hopefully in human beings. Engineering in the genetic area, a breakthrough that could help everyone from bedridden patients to elite athletes, a team of American researchers have created a switch that allows mutations to be turned on in the muscle stem cells to monitor muscle regeneration in living mammals. It's like a fountain of youth. Molecular switch holds the key to reserve supply of muscle stem cells. Well, there we go. <clears throat> Beautification. There's so much more that could be said. But everything is beautiful in God's way, God's own time. Everything. Everything. Now I'm speaking to a bunch of beautiful people right now who with beautiful hearing and beautiful reasoning are listening deeply to this word and digesting it in a glorious fashion. So now I'm going to bring this um, message uh, to a close of beautification. And I want to get into Jim uh, Tao. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that I have been working on the revelation from God uh, for some time now about how to use um, and create stem cell uh, via using... Um, electromagnetic energy uh, to be sent into the body 
and uh, and to generate these stem cells and plant them in the various places in the body that uh, need regeneration. And right now I'm working on a person who has been in a a terrible um, condition uh, for some time uh, uh, due due to uh, having a terrible stroke, a major stroke in the brain. And uh, I I am a believer. We've, We've seen some wonderful, miraculous things. So, I want to say these few little things as before I get into the Gentile. Um, you know, we are want to be in Gentile dealing with uh, rehabilitation of um, of uh, the um, motor and uh, body control aspects uh, of the molecular system of the body and the muscle system of the body and the the um, the the brain. Uh, system of the body, uh, because we believe that that there is a molecular model um, that can have a lattice type of signaling, uh, sending in proteins to places in the body uh, to uh, revitalize uh, those places um, by that particular kind of molecular protein. It is a beautiful thing that one of the recent ideas that they've come up with and I was on track to this very thing that for autism there's a possibility of correcting and healing that um, birth disease by the use of interfaces of virtual reality mixed with a certain amount of abstract uh, matriculation used in various kind of teachings uh, of architectural renderings and word win- word renderings. I believe that with Gentile I can create a virtual reality grid that can provide these architectural profile states to the body and that create, can create signal and image processing using spirit-to-spirit neural networking. I believe that with this spirit-to-spirit neural networking, people that have extra chromosomal vector genomes can have those extra chromosomes removed. I'm working on creating new transgene expression by moving chromosomes from one location to another so as to delete various genetic kinds of diseases. These are all the things that I've been working on in between everything else that we're doing. I'm excited about it because in my heart, in my soul, I have a great love that wants to reach out to help people. And today I want to do Gentile for those people that are having problems with their seeing, with their eyes. There's one lady in particular that I've been promising to work on who totally lost one eye, has an artificial eye there. Her other eye she can barely see out. She's legally blind. But when they were 
trying to save the good eye from being destroyed because of the operation in the bad eye. They used gases, and these gases became trapped. So they're blocking retina view and make it very difficult without very special, high, capable type of lens in a trajectory form to be able to even see, to read. I want to pray for her today through Gentile to remove these gases that are blocking her vision in that eye. And for any of you other people that would have such a similar type of thing, have an eye problems of this nature. This is Gentile for the eye. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid. To the pyramid cells at the rear of the brain. Begin to function and move through the corpus callosus with your message. Begin to send messages from network to network to the retina of this eye and of any of the eyes of any of the people who would hear this word today and need this kind of healing. This message goes to all of those brains. Hypothalamus for the pituitary to the lymphatic gland. Hypothalamus to the pituitary to the thyroid, to the lymphatic glands. Begin to purify the blood veins, the small blood veins going into these eye systems. Begin to remove the clouding, the gases, using syncopated pressures from the electrovibmatic waves that are now being sent into the body and into the eye systems. Get to remove. Remove these gases. Removing. Removing. Removing this cloudiness. Removing. 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 Hypothalamus of the pituitary, hypothalamus of thyroid. Begin to send messages. To relax the body now. Relax the nerves. Relax the muscles. If there's any inhibitors or blockers, messages anti to this, they are now canceled. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. God keep you. God be with you this day and this evening. May God go before you. We have a new blog on. I got a kick out of one of the fellows who wrote me a letter already and said, said, hey, you think it really is this way? But you know, if you really read it, it really clarifies that that is the way it is, except that there are exceptions. It's all there. We love you. God bless you.
kitties. This is Alice Cooper, and you're watching You Broadcast. And you better watch, because I know where you live.